Well, good morning, Northside. My name is Jacob. I'm on the student team here. Um, and I, I don't love to start like this, but I think it's important that we do this as a church and just be honest. Um, I actually have to apologize about something and correct something that was said last week. Um, and so if you weren't here last week, just know that we do this um, in earnest. Um, th- this is something we want to do out of love. And, and, and here's what I need to say. I don't, it's not only okay, um, it is biblical to celebrate Christmas before Thanksgiving. Can I get an amen in the room right here? Come on. The person who spoke last week is right there and he's booing me actively. Um, Hallmark Christmas movies started this week and Hallmark knows all. So here we go. It is Christmas season. Y'all thought we were going to do something serious. Come on. I'm on the student team. We don't do that. Hey, I'm going to invite you right now. Um, open your Bible to John 13. Open it. If you have the physical Bible, go ahead and turn those pages. If you have the, the digital Bible, start moving those thumbs. But John 13, and that's where we're going to spend a majority of our time looking at the text today is John 13. And as you get there, I just want to tell you, and this is an honest confession, um, a group of people that I struggle with in life. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't love these people. It doesn't mean that I don't care for these people. Um, I, I just have to use a, a churchy phrase, extra grace required with these people. And it's people who are full of themselves. And maybe you feel this too. Uh, last night I said, anybody else? And people started cheering. I felt that was weird. Let's, let's not do that. Um, but maybe you struggle with people who are full of themselves as well who are really braggy and boastful. Um, the word we're looking for here is, is prideful. I'm okay if you're proud with what you've done. If you, if you have an accomplishment and you show that you are proud of it, I'm okay with that. But it's people who are prideful is where I have an issue. Um, it's, it's the excessively high opinion of one's self. That is what pride is. And you know these people. You have met these people. You walk amongst these people. It's when you're in a conversation with someone and somehow, it doesn't matter what the topic is or, or what the question is, um, it always goes back to one single person. Somehow they can direct the conversation and just talk about them. You know these people. Um, it, it's, it's the people who, who will ask you a question and they don't even care if you answer it. They only ask it because they want to answer it themselves. And they'll come up to me and be like, Jacob, do you ever, um, do you ever go to the gym? And I'm just like, you know, I... I try to go to Planet Fitness uh, like a couple times a week. They're like, well, I can bench 225. And I'm like, okay, th- thank you. All right, like very, very good. I'm so proud of you right now. It's the people, um, they'll use this phrase. They'll say, I don't want to brag, but, and if you ever hear that phrase, I don't want to brag, but, there is a 1,000% chance the next thing that's going to come out of their mouth is a brag. Uh, they're going to say, like, I don't want to brag, but I can do this. Actually, I take that back. There, there's a, a 50% chance that they're going to brag, and there's an equal 50% chance that they're just going to lie straight to their, your face, all right? And what they're about to say is not true, but it's going to make them feel good. And, and, and you know these people, and maybe you're sitting there thinking right now, you're like, I don't, I don't know anyone like that. Um, I don't want to tell you it's you, but <laughs> I'm just joking. I would definitely tell you if it was you. <laughs> And that's why it's funny that today, um, as, we, as we go through Quest 52 and we get to know Jesus this year in ways that we never have, and specifically this week, um, we're, we're talking about his passion. These next few weeks into the year, we're looking at the passion of Jesus, what he was passionate about. We're asking this question, was Jesus full of himself? And it's almost a silly question. 
Like I saw for the first time and I almost laughed. I was like, what am I even gonna talk about? Was Jesus full of himself? No, goodbye. Like, is that, is that like the, what the whole talk is going to be? Was he prideful or boastful or braggy? Did you ever have a moment where you went up to somebody and said like, hey, do you like water? Well, I don't wanna brag, but like I can walk on it <laughs> and also turn it to wine. So two for one right here. Did he ever have a moment like that? And it, it's, it's a weird question. In Matthew 11, Jesus literally describes himself as gentle and lowly in heart. But then I did some digging and I looked outside of just my worldview. I suppose, what, what does Jacob think? What does the Christian world think? Wasn't Jesus historically humble? Sure, but what do other people think about him? And I started to go to these places um, where, where there's not always Christian worldviews. I went to Facebook, I went to Instagram, I went to this dark place called Reddit. If you've never been there, do not go. You're not gonna like what you see. And I found something interesting. Outside of the Christian worldview, there is, an, there is a thought, there is a thread that believes that Jesus was full of himself. He was prideful. And what's even crazier is they pull out verses from the Bible to say, look at this, he was prideful. And maybe you're sitting here right now, you're just like, I knew it, right? Like I read it, like preacher man, he, he finally gets it. He understands, he's gonna talk about it. This is not gonna end how you think it is. But in fact, if you go into the world of psychology or psychiatry, um, there is a belief that Jesus wasn't the son of God at all, but he was just severely mentally ill. It was experiencing narcissism and narcissistic personality disorder. In fact, William Hirsch in his 1912 book, Religion and Civilization, The Conclusions of a Psychiatrist, said that Jesus was experiencing paranoia and he had symptoms of megalomania. Now, if you don't know what the word megalomania means, here's what it is. It's a mental disorder symptom characterized by delusions of power and grandeur, coupled with an obsession of doing extravagant and grand things. It is the essence of the sin of pride. It's all about me. What can I do? How can I look cool? Me, me, me. And you listen to some of the examples he pulls out and that other people pull out. John 14, 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That is scandalous language at that time, especially that he's pointing everyone to himself and not to God in that moment. People, would have, people can hear that and be like, oh, that's, that's interesting, Jesus. John 15, five says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And it's interesting. It's just an interesting thought that people think that Jesus was full of himself. And it's important today that we answer this question well and put this problem to, to bed forever. Because if it's true at all, it creates a huge problem for us who are believers of Jesus in this room. If you believe in Jesus and Jesus was prideful, we have some reconciling to do within our Theology, Because look at James 4, 6. It says this, he gives grace generously, talking about God. And as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That word opposes in there. It means to rage in battle against, which means if Jesus was prideful, at some point, God was raging in battle against him. And that poses a problem for us. And so a silly question, sure. But one that we really need to answer and put to bed, absolutely. Was Jesus prideful or was he humble? Was he full of himself or was he full of humility? 
I think to start um, answering this question, we need to look what the Bible says about humility. Uh, Philippians chapter two, verses three and four, maybe you know this verse. It's um, well known amongst some people. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And that's how the Bible would describe, define humility. Now notice within there, um, there's a few different aspects that we need to talk about. In fact, there's two that Paul is really laying out for us. And the first thing he says in verse three, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That, that first sentence right now is all about action. It's all about doing. And he says, do nothing out of pridefulness, out, nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But he is pointing to the fact that humility has to do with our actions. You know this. There are humble actions that we can partake in. But then he goes on and he says this, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. That phrase, value others above yourselves, is a direct reference to our minds and our mindset. And Paul's going further to say, yes, there's humble actions, but humility doesn't just include actions, it also includes an attitude. And humility, for us, we have to understand this, it is both of our actions and our attitude. We have to hold them both in the same hands, the same time to be truly humble. Because you have seen before, I guarantee this, you have seen before when someone has one of those out of whack. When somebody is humble in action, but not humble in spirit. Um, you've seen this before. Have you ever seen someone who's, who's had a humble attitude? Or maybe they've told you they've had a humble attitude before. They're like, man, I'm so humble, which red flag. But they're like, I'm so, I'm so humble. Like, I just, I just, you know, just got trying to work on my pride. It's super good. But then they never act on it. And one of my best friends, his name's Caleb Brown. He has this phrase he uses often about, you're never too good to stack chairs. Always be stacking chairs. And it's, it's for us a youth ministry term when we, we would always have to turn over rooms. We'd have to flip rooms. And so when it was time to flip a room, when it was time to set up a room, everyone was in. We're all gonna stack chairs. We're all gonna bring tables out and put them out. Like this is what we're going to do. And you could tell really quickly the people who had a humble attitude but said, you know what? Stacking chairs is, is beneath me. And yeah, sure, they, they talked a big humble, humble game, but they didn't have humble actions to back it up. Humility includes both our actions and our attitude. Or maybe you've known someone before um, whose actions are super humble, but their attitude is not. And in the spirit of confession, I'm, I just got to tell you right now that I'm guilty, have been guilty of this before. I, I'm super embarrassed to admit this, but I think it's important just to, to show you where I've been in life. I'm, I, I have had that issue with this stage before, where I have a, had a humble action seemingly, but I've not had a good attitude. Um, when I started at Northside, I, I was a worship intern. I, I led worship. And one day they said, Jacob, would you want to come um, and lead worship, you know, in this room on the big stage. And I was like, really? Like, wow. And I was like, I'll have to pray about it. And really quickly, I was like, you know, I, th I think it's a yes. This is crazy. And so I, I came and I led worship and I hate to say this, but it's true. I would, I would sing and I would get off stage and I'd walk around to the lobby and I'd sit in the table out there because I knew when service was over, people would come out and they'd walk up to me and they'd just tell me how great I was. I wasn't expecting that to be funny, but okay. <laughs> you guys are supposed to say, we know, I'm just joking. 
But people would walk out there and they'd tell me how good I was and I'd be like, oh, stop, stop, a little more, a little more. Okay, stop, stop. <laughs> and a humble action, leading worship at a local church, right? Like that's using your gift that God has given you to, to praise him, humble action. But my attitude was all messed up. And I wasn't doing this for God. I was doing it for me. And, and it was a problem. So from humility, you've seen this before, includes both our actions and our attitudes. And church, we have to take that with us as we hear the rest of this from the Lord this morning. It is both our actions and our attitudes. And so based on all that criteria and all of that context, the question remains, now that we know what humility is, was Jesus full of himself? Was he prideful? Or were his actions and his attitudes always in line with humility? And with that, we're going to go to John 13. Hopefully you're there. You can look down. Verse 1 starts right off. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal is in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Now let me... Um, just set the scene for you really quickly here. Here's what's going on. They are in this place called the upper room. Um, if you've heard of that before and didn't know what's going on, this is it, the upper room. The disciples are with Jesus and they're eating the last supper, but it's also um, the Passover meal. And so the Passover meal is a historical celebration for the Jews. They would celebrate God leading the Hebrews, the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery. And it was just, it was a big deal. They wanted to have this together. And Jesus, he knew that he's sitting there experiencing his last meal with his disciples before he's going to endure the pain and the suffering of the cross. He knows what's coming. And in the room too, you have his 12 closest friends on earth. And this includes Judas, who Jesus also knew was about to betray him. That's the context of this story. It's, that's a heavy room. That's some tension. And it goes on. We're going to read verses three and four. And if you're an underliner or a circler or a highlighter, I invite you right now. This is the time. Verses three and four. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had on around him. And we just got to pause for a second. We don't have anything really like this in our culture. And so we just have to understand the gravity of this moment. Um, a, a foot washing in that time, Middle, Middle Eastern culture, um, a foot washing was a big deal. Feet were considered, the best way I can say is bad. All right. Like being around feet, there's a reason in Middle Eastern culture, like you stomp on things. You don't even show the bottom of your foot to someone. That's a sign of dishonor. Feet were not something you wanted to be around, but it was customary to have a foot washing when you entered into a house or into a meal. It was a hospitable thing. But it was also a, a customary thing. And so when you'd walk in, there'd usually be servants there who'd wash your feet, but who did the washing is important. See, in every house, it was the lowest of the low servant. Whoever was at the, the very bottom was the person who had to pull the duty of washing feet. And this was not a biblical pedicure, by the way. There was no hot stones. There was no nice towels. There was no sugar scrubs, right? Like it's a water and a basin. These men's feet, they're walking in the desert, in the heat, in the sand, and these cheap little leathery sandals. Like, like it, it was not good news. And that's who would do it. And 
the fact that it was Jesus when it was supposed to be the lowest of the low is unheard of. I read this week that we cannot overestimate how insane it would have been that Jesus washed the disciples' feet. I mean, he, he was a teacher. According to Jewish custom and tradition and law, him as a teacher, it would have been too far for him to ask one of the disciples to wash his feet. Just think about that for a second. These were his followers. These were his disciples. They answered to him. And for him to ask them to come and wash his feet would have been uh, not okay. It would have been too far. And so the fact that he gets up to do it, that was, that's a heavy room. There was tension while it's happening. There's probably silent. It was probably awkward. They did not know what to think. Um, a few weeks ago, we took our middle schoolers and high schoolers on just these one-day mission trips. Um, and we, we went to Nomad Church Collective in downtown New Albany. It was awesome. We just did some outreach there with some homeless population. Just a really cool experience. And our middle schoolers, one of the jobs they had to do at Nomad was they had to deep clean. We gave them Clorox wipes and we said, get to town, right? Like, like go crazy and just clean everything in Nomad. And so, you know, there's like 45 of them, 46 of them. And so they're, they're cleaning everything. It is crazy how fast they're getting this done. And really quickly, they run out of stuff to clean. And so me and another um, of Nomad staff members, her name is Rio, we're sitting over here talking and we're just, we're just like, oh man, this is going really well. They're, like, they're cleaning really fast. When all of a sudden I feel hands on my feet. And I'm like, that's concerning, right? <laughs> like, that's never a normal thing. It is you know, October, I guess, but like, I never, I, I don't want like a, a horror movie to happen to me. And I look down and there are two middle school boys with Clorox wipes wiping down my shoes. <laughs> and I said, what are you guys doing? And I kid you not, they look at me and say, we will wash your feet, just like that. <laughs> and I felt weird. <laughs> I was like, um, oh, oh, stop, right? Like, you don't have to do this. But they're like doing a really good job. Like they're really getting in there to some of the grossness. And so they're wiping it down and people are starting to look at me and they're seeing the boys wiping my feet. And like, I'm leading the trip and I'm like, guys, I didn't ask them to do this, right? Like this was not on the agenda today. It's not like I had this like in my heart, but to be honest, it was the cleanest my Air Force Ones have been in years. And so thank you. Boys, I appreciate that. But for me, two middle school boys wiping down my shoes, I felt weird. I wanted them to stop. I couldn't deal with it. I was like, I, this, you need to be done. And so imagine the disciples with the context, with the understanding, with the meaning that Jesus is here before them, wiping, washing their feet. Was Jesus full of himself? Man, according to this right here, impossible, impossible. No one of that stature who is that full of himself, who is full of pride would have ever in that culture, in that context, taken themselves to that level to wash their feet. It would have been inconceivable. He could not have been full of himself, but humility is both our actions and our attitude. And we usually don't get to have a peek at the motives of Jesus, but this is a rare exception. And maybe you missed it, but here's what it says in verse three. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and were returned to God. Just think about that for a second. He's sitting there, he knows exactly who he is in God. He knows the authority and the power that he has. 
He knows where he has come from. He has come from God. He has come straight from him. He knows exactly who he is. He has his citizenship in heaven. And he knows in just a few days, a few, few days, he's, he's going back. It's going to happen. He's going to die and he's going to experience this. And that the next word is so important. It says, Jesus knew the Father had given him authority over everything. He had come from and where he would return to God. So. You see, it wasn't in spite of the fact that he knew all those things, that he washed the disciples' feet. It was because he knew those things. He knew the authority. He knew the citizenship he had. He knew where he was going. And because of that, he washed the disciples' feet. He didn't say, oh, man, fellas, I'm going to spot you one today. <laughs> I'm Jesus. I've got it all. And today I'm going to wash your feet. No. It wasn't in spite. It was because, because. And we see his actions and his attitude are in alignment. Jesus' humility, it's, it's not even questioned. It's right there. Was he full of himself? No. But here's the concerning thing. As this encounter goes on, um, Jesus turns the spotlight of this question, not on himself at all, but on to us and to his disciples. And he's not full of himself, but the question we need to ask ourselves today is, are we? Are we full of ourselves to the point that we aren't even willing to serve, to love? Maybe we don't even see it. Maybe it's so ingrained in our culture that we don't even know how full of ourselves that we are. And he asks this question. Just read this in verse 12. He says this, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And, and since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And he asked him this question. He says, do you, do you understand what I just did? Do you, do you see what just happened? He says, do you understand that this was an example for you to follow? This isn't just like a one-time cool object lesson that you can post about. This is an example that I want you to go and follow. Do you understand the level that I just went to in our culture and our context, that I took myself down to the level and the posture and the appearance of a slave? It says that he took off his robe and his clothes. He looked like a slave to them. He looked like a servant. And yet here he is acting this way. Do you understand what I just did? Do you understand that you are to go and do likewise? Do you understand the significance of this simple act? And Jesus makes it clear that we are to go and do the same thing. But let me make it clear that what he's not saying. Jesus is not asking you to go and wash a stranger's foot, right? He's not, I'm not gonna tell you like, hey, after this, I want us all to go to Meyer and get a bunch of Clorox wipes and we're gonna go to the parking lot and we're just gonna find strangers and we're gonna get down and be like, I'm gonna wash your feet because the Lord wills it, all right? Like, you will get kicked and I will blame you. That's just, that's, it's what's gonna happen. But Jesus isn't asking us just to, just to wash people's feet. He's asking us to live a life like he did. Really what he's asking us is this, to not just live a life of humble moments, but to live a life defined by humility. And there is a difference. Not to live a life just of humble moments every once in a while, 
Maybe getting it done on a Tuesday. Oh, I did my humble moment this week. We're good to go. Now I can go to the next thing. He's asking us to live a life that is marked and defined by humility. And anybody can live a life of humble moments, but not everybody can live a life defined by humility. You have to be different. He said it. He says, among you, it will be different. He said it in Luke 22. It's an interesting thing that's happening in Luke 22. It's actually the same night. It's the same dinner. And the disciples are having an argument. Listen, listen to what's going on. It says, Then they began to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them. And Jesus told them, In this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people, and yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. If you're a highlighter, circler, underliner, right there. Among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leader should be like a servant. Now, no one knows the exact timing of these things, how they exactly went down. But the, the main thought amongst scholars is that this dinner went something like this. Um, the disciples are having this argument and then Jesus drops this line about how the greatest among you must become the least rank and the, serve, uh, the leaders have to be servants. And then he just got up and put those words into actions in a way that was unbelievable. There's one scholar, I love this, who thinks the reason the disciples were having this argument is because as they walked in, um, there was no servant there to wash their feet. And so they knew amongst their culture that whoever was the least among the disciples should probably go ahead and get down and wash the feet. And you notice no one does it. And so can you just imagine that room for a second? It's just like, well, hey, um... Um, who's gonna, who, uh, you know, you, you're gonna, you're gonna and instead, instead of having this argument about who's gonna wash the feet, they go into this thing where it's like, well, look how great I am. And they go into this argument about greatness and about who's gonna be the greatest. And then Jesus says, no, 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 no. And he gives them a lesson they won't forget. The disciples lived with Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They saw Jesus. They had humble moments at times. They had humble attitudes at times, but they still weren't living a life marked by humility. And there's a difference between the two. Jesus isn't asking us to just have humble moments. He's asking us to live a life defined by humility. Because I think what he's trying to do is give us the blueprints to change the world. I think what he's trying to do is show us, this, if we do this, this is how change is going to come about in the world. And you notice he doesn't say it's done with a stage. He doesn't say it's done with, with a podium. He doesn't say it's done with a position or a role or a job. He doesn't say, hey, the more power you have, then you're going to make a real change. Then it's going to be different. He doesn't say if you have more followers, then it's going to be okay. Then it's going to be good. He doesn't say if you have more money or more influence. It's not just a few humble moments. Every once in a while, he says, hey, you have to take on the posture of a servant. You have to take on the life of humility, and that is how the world is going to change. Let me just be very honest with you right now. The greatest ministry I will ever do in my life will not happen on this stage. It will happen, hopefully for me, in humble days, humble minutes, with people, whoever they may be, but a life that's marked by humility. That is what I want. I don't think the stage, I don't think the power, the podium, whatever it's gonna be is gonna change it, but the posture of a servant will. 
Among you, it will be different. I think he's asking us to live a life that's different so that we can make a difference. And so let me get hyper specific for a second. I love Northside because we have such a great volunteer culture. Our leaders in this church are incredible. We have over a thousand, but let me just talk to volunteers in the room really quickly. Is the only time that you humbly serve when you have a position? Is the only time that you say, I'm gonna go and serve today. I'm gonna go and love. I'm gonna go and, and, and be a servant leader today when you have a role and a position or is it every single day of your life, no matter where you are? Let me talk to the leaders in the room. There's lots of leaders in this room. Coaches, bosses, managers, CEOs, parents, you're leading people. Maybe you're dragging them along, but you're leading. <laughs> Do you serve those who are following you, who you manage, who are seemingly beneath you? Or do you only demand and expect? Because Jesus, his disciples were seemingly beneath them. He was a teacher, they were disciples, but he got down and served them. When was the last time that you truly served the people who are following you? Kids in the room. Now, I'm not just talking about 18 and under, by the way. If you are a kid in this room, which I think would be everyone, are you serving your parents? Or do you just expect them to serve you because that's the stage of life, right? Like a parent loves the kid, but are you serving your parents back? Do you serve and, and love and care for those who are never gonna be able to give you anything in return, the people who are marginalized, the things, the moments that, that, that won't be seen by someone, you will not be recognized for the way that you humbly serve. Do you still do it? Because it's worth it in that moment to follow Jesus, to love Jesus, or is it the only time you serve when someone's gonna give you something in return? Maybe the most difficult one for some of us in this room. Do you serve the people, love the people who you disagree with, who have wronged you, who maybe hate you, the same way that Jesus still washed Judas's feet in the upper room that day, knowing what he was about to do? He's telling us to live a life that looks different than the rest of the world to go against what everyone else is telling us to do, to not just think about yourself, but to think about everyone else so that we can make a difference. It's not just gonna be a position or a stage or a role that changes the world. It's going to be us living a life of humility. Jesus doesn't just want humble moments. He wants a life defined by humility. Are you willing to live one? We're gonna sing a song together and then we're gonna take communion as a church, which I think is gonna be awesome. But if you've been around for a while, um, we, we're singing this song called Make Room. You know this song maybe. And some of these words are beautiful and they're, they're exactly what we're talking about today. Will we make room um, to, for Jesus to do what he wants to do in our life? Will we lay down the things that we think are important and give them to Jesus? Uh, will we make room? And so I wanna invite you to do two things during this time. I, I, I wanna invite you, number one, to worship with us to stand up, to be with us in the room and to, to, to sing, to worship God, to give praise to God, uh, give praise to God that he is, is well due. But the second thing I want you to do is to examine yourself with these words. And as they come across the screen, just pause and be like, is that my life? Is, is that what I'm doing right now? Or do I need to make a few changes so that I can live a life that is defined by humility?
worship, examine. And we're gonna take communion together. Let me pray. Lord, we love you. God, you are so good. And God, we are so grateful that we get to learn about you in this moment. And we get to see how you did things. Jesus, how you did things so that we can have that example in our life and we can follow it, God. So Lord, as we, as we go this week, I pray for boldness and courage. I mean, Lord, what I pray for is the boldness and courage to do the things that are not normal in our world. God, I pray for boldness to do the thing that no one will see and that no one will give us praise for, but we know it's what we're supposed to do. Whether the Holy Spirit convicts us to do it or God, we just know. That's what Jesus wants me to do in this moment when I go. God, I pray for courage that we are able to serve the people around us regardless of who they are. If they are seemingly beneath us, if they hate us, if we disagree with them, if they're close to us, whoever it is, pray for the courage to humble ourselves and to serve them because that's what you did. That's what you're asking us to do as well. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this song together.